On this special episode of the Sports Gal Pal Podcast, we're talking to Matt Chatham from Football by Football about Deflate Gate. All right, gals and pals, game on. It's time for the Sports Gal Pal Podcast, where we help gals and their pals come together over sports. Don't hate the game, love the game, or at least find out why he loves it so much. Now your host, the Sports Gal Pal herself, Ramona Rice. Hey, Gal Pal Nation, you're probably going, what in the world is Ramona doing? It's not Monday. There's not supposed to be a show on Wednesday. What is going on? Well, I'll tell you what's going on is that I happen to had already pre-scheduled today's guest. Um, and it just so happens that he is an expert about New England Patriots. And guess what Roger Goodell did? Roger Goodell decided to uphold Tom Brady's suspension. So I couldn't wait to talk about this. And it seems silly to wait till Monday to release it. So I'm going to go ahead and release it to you as my gift to you, Gal Pal Nation, so that you can hear the awesomeness that is my guest this week, Matt Chatham. He is a fellow Blog Talk radio host. Yay. Um, and he runs a site called Football by Football. It is a site for former football players, professional level football players. So not your just high school guys that, you know, like the Al Bundys of the world going, I did this. No, no. These are like real deal. Like they played in the NFL. He has three Super Bowl rings to prove it. Um, and they have such an interesting perspective on sports that hardly anybody has where, you know, again, it reminds us that Sports is a job for these guys. Like it requires them to have training and insight and thoughtfulness. And he is very fascinating, very intelligent, and his story is interesting. So we get into that. But of course, we talk about Deflate Gate. So again, to remind my Galpon Nation, Deflate Gate started when the New England Patriots beat the Indianapolis Colts like hard. Like your mama looked ugly hard. It was bad. Um, and it turned out that the balls that were used in the first half by the Patriots were underdeflated, according to a very long report. It was some sort of cover-up. Well, now there is even more drama because the NFL has announced that Tom Brady refusing to participate in the investigation that is technically not even legal Um purposely broke his phone so that his text messages could not be read and could not be used before the Wells Report investigators came along. So much drama. Seriously, you can't get this on an episode of The Young and the Restless. This is way better than that. This is almost as good as Empire. Almost. So anyway, without further ado, here is a bonus episode this week, and it will tide you guys over because I will be at Podcast Movement this weekend. So Podcast Movement is the largest um, podcasting conference, I believe, in the world. Over a thousand podcasters, including your gal pal, will be down there. Um, And also, I'll be taping a special episode of my pal Jonathan Oaks' podcast, Trivial Warfare, where myself and my podcasting mentor, the great, the wonderful pod vader and i will be taking on ivy envy's Corey fittering and inside the jungles nick supering who'll be coming on the podcast later Corey, of course was one of my first guests on my podcast and we're going head to head in sports trivia and you would think that your gal pal would be like super excited and ready to roll i am terrified because sports trivia is hard really really hard so definitely look up forward to that 
Before the interview gets started, I do need to give a little bit of clarification. You're going to notice that my audio sounds really distorted. It almost sounds like I'm the podcast guest and he's the podcast host. What happened was is that we were having some technical difficulties. And normally, if it was so bad that I was having, I would have rescheduled. But unfortunately, Matt Chatham, you know, football season is about to start. I was so lucky that he even squeezed me in on such a busy day that it wasn't going to allow the chance to let him go without talking about this um, Tom Brady thing. So I got him on there. I don't sound that great. I'm so sorry, everyone, but he sounds fantastic. So ignore me, pay attention to him, enjoy Matt. All right, gals and pals, do I have a treat for you today. I cannot believe he is on my podcast. Um, He is one of my fellow blog talk radio hosts. Matt Chatham from the Football by Football podcast. But here's the deal, gals and pals. He is a three-time Super Bowl-winning linebacker from the New England Patriots. And if you're like me, you are all about getting as much dirt and gossip about this point gate as you possibly can. And I cannot believe he is on my show. Welcome, Matt, to the Sports Gal Pals. Oh, thank you for having me. Good to be here. And boy, did we pick a great day for you to record. So today is um, <laughs> the day when um, I feel like the NFL decided it was kind of quiet there for a couple weeks. And then all of a sudden, hey, training camp start. Let's just throw some drama because we just can't help ourselves. Yeah, you know, I think they were sort of up against it as far as looking too bad, having sort of had the leaks that have come out in the last several days about the NFL purposely trying to wear down Tom Brady. That was one leak. Uh, some other issues about concerns about the strength of their court case. It's it's incredibly weak, and I think they know they're going to lose. So, you know, at this point, you're trying to recover as much uh, PR sort of equity as you possibly can. Uh, so they float the notion to try to create a smoke screen that he's guilty because he's destroying phones and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and you just try to muddy the water as much as possible uh, because eventually, obviously, this is not going to go to a federal court and virtually every point that they've written uh, has no legal standing that, that, that they're going to be able to, to be able to live by each and every point that they've gone through from the notion of, of fairness, which is going to be a legal labor law and a lot of issues here, the, the notion of the independence of an arbiter, the notion of uh, some sort of cooperation duty that actually doesn't even exist in the collective bargain agreement, which would you know be that whole issue of giving over phones and all that nonsense. Pretty much every point that they brought up is legal nonsense. <laughs> so they know that. So I think now it's, it, it's get it out ahead of, of training camp. So at least you don't look like uh, you're trying to disrupt the situation too much. But uh, quite frankly, I don't think a judge is going to buy at this point. Anyhow, there's no reason this ruling didn't come down weeks ago. Yeah, I just think that the whole thing, I just feel like as a fan, I have a very different perspective, obviously, than you do, because you actually worked for the NFL, um, you know, and in it. I just think that the whole thing is just nonsense. It, it just, I mean, and I do not like the New England Patriots, sorry. I was very mad no, to my Eagles um, in the Super Bowl, but, <laughs> you know, you're like, I'm not. Um, but I just think that the whole thing is just a waste of time. Last season, you know, we were dealing with the Ray Rice repercussions, um, and that's Right. Serious grown up conversation about, you know, what do you ha- how do you handle this? But this just seems like nonsense to me. How how do you think the players are feeling right well, now? Well, I again uh, from sort of trying to argue this point, I mean, obviously there's a presumption of my own bias because I played with Tom for all those years. I'm a friend of his. Um 
but I played for the Jets for three years as well. So I was, I was down there for a while and I kind of got to see both sides of it, sort of the pro Patriot, anti Patriot kind of thing. And I guess my view of this is less as sort of uh, team Brady or anything like that and more just team player. This is really an issue of the league versus the player. And really, nonsense is the perfect word for it because, again, at some point, they're going to have to stand in front of a federal judge and and explain precedence, which is how sort of all these rulings are derived. It either exists in the document or exists uh, as a punishment that you've done before because other issues like this had come up. The couple other issues that could be potentially precedent, they didn't do anything Minnesota. Line of thing, uh, the idea of uh, which actually in, in Goodell's ruling that came out today, he he ignored, which means he, he's aware of it, and they're going to lose that point. He does reference the the uh, Aaron Rodgers thing, and you know doesn't really talk about why why they didn't at least investigate it. They just dismiss it out of hand. Why they didn't need to look into it, but again, a judge is going to ask you on all that. But the the real real nonsense of this is that it doesn't matter, and I, I, I that's the painful part. Just as a player, that they would risk this kind. Of, of situation to just muddy the brand like this, the NFL brand, and go after a player that's one of the straightest heroes in the NFL, probably to a fault. I think a lot of people sometimes will find that obnoxious that he's such, you know, the golden boy thing. But he is. Uh, and and to go down this road when they're the ones that sort of infatuated this, the science is on his side, all those kinds of things. It just seems painful, especially in a bladder ball sport like this in football. I mean, we get it. You pump the thing up and you go play. Uh, basketball is the same way. Soccer is the same way. But do they have these kind of issues? No. I mean, we've seen the, the opening tip off of every NBA game you've ever watched or college basketball game. They throw the ball to the official. He squeezes it a couple times, gives it a couple nice bounces, and he tosses it up because that's all that matters. Uh, and that's the way it should be with footballs as well. They, they tried to play science uh, teacher, and they actually didn't understand the science. That's what should be embarrassing, and that's why it is nonsense. Yeah, I just think I, I just want to get to football. I, I just am like, you know, like many fans, can, can we just talk about football and like Adrian Peterson coming back? Um, what are the Cowboys going to do? What the hell Chip Kelly is doing in Philadelphia? And, and can we just get back to those kind of questions? Because right. I think that's more relevant. I think to regular fans like myself and obviously the players. Well, yeah. I mean, that's that's why we're here. I mean, the the real cynical view is that the NFL still gets a click and a dollar one other one way or another. Provided they don't lose any advertisers of this, they captured a portion of the uh, the country's attention. I know this is a really aggravating topic outside of most markets. Maybe New York is still a bit captivated because it's sort of a, an opponent, obviously. Uh, New England is is deep into this story. But I think if you flip on anything, even say the word Deflategate in San Diego, they could care less, you know, or or Dallas or a lot of these places where they just aren't living this thing. But that's, that's kind of how it works. I mean, again, sort of full disclosure, one of my old teammates, Jonathan Vilma, uh, went through this with the Saints. And I didn't read that report. I didn't pay that much attention. If you would have asked me my opinion of Bounty Gate, I probably would have said something, you know, that was uninformed or ill-informed, which I think a lot of players have those kinds of ill-informed opinions on Deflategate because they're not going to go read that giant document. They're not going to really keep up with what's really happening. They just want to talk about football and play football. And that's kind of how it is. So the NFL wins in that regard from a PR standpoint that the vast majority of people are misinformed on this thing. Uh, they're not in the NFL to read legal documents. They're not into the NFL to sort of understand all the sort of precedents that would have to be and all the, the sort of labor law issues that would come up that they'd need to be tuned in on to find out if anyone did anything wrong. 
uh, and they'd have to be little mini science teachers. Nobody wants that flashback to their high school days of talking about high school physics and the ideal gas law and all this nonsense. I mean, you're here because you want to talk about the Packers or you want to talk about the Bears or the Lions or the Dolphins or whatever it is. So they win by misinformation that way. You can just float antidotes, float you know, modestly uh, dead wrong things and uh, fool people. And, and I think that's the unfortunate part, especially as someone who's, who works in the media, kind of see how easy misinformation travels. All right, let's get you off this topic because you've been talking about this all day, and I know once we end this episode, you're going to be writing about it all night. So let's go back to my normal sure. format. So again, the idea of this podcast is to help rookie fans, particularly women, understand sports at a deeper level so they can at least talk to their husbands about it. Um, that's how I've strengthened my marriage and also my colleague um, relationships with fellow men and sports fans in my offices. So I always like to ask this question to all my guests. How did you get into sports? Wow. Well, you know, you end up being a, I was a tall kid, so I'm a big kid and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so you kind of get directed towards it, but I had one of those cool, almost like, uh, I don't know, like the dream sort of childhood as far as neighborhood I grew up in where I lived on a cul-de-sac, uh, with, I, I always forget the exact number, but something like 20 kids all within a few grades of each other all, that all lived within about two blocks of each other. So it was almost, you know, like the, like this sort of ideal schoolyard situation where we can have summer uh, baseball, wiffle ball games. We can have some street hockey. We can play summer flag football. We can just basic. we basically had this cul-de-sac that was like its own little sort of mini uh, sports arena. It was amazing. I mean, I, I loved my childhood, a very, you know, very middle class, no, nothing sort of opulent about this, but just the ideal situation that so many of us live near one another. So you were just kind of into sports, you know, collecting baseball cards and, uh, you know, watching football and, and all those things. So you go out there and you emulate your favorite player. I remember uh, we always used to do a Larry Bird versus Dominique Wilkins thing with my neighbor and we switch who was who and, you know, play one-on-one and, and keep like all-time records and, and sort of nonsense like that. But sports was kind of always part of it. And and as I grew through elementary school, middle school and high school and all that, I continued to grow and get big. And it was like, oh, okay, it looks like he's going to play some sport. Uh, and that just, it kind of happens. I think it's partially natural selection. If you're a big kid and you're kind of athletic, uh, sports kind of finds you. So you have the, uh, you know, and here's the thing: you have what is very similar to a lot of my guests. But I mean, the difference is, is that you're my first um, NFL player to ever come on this podcast. So how do you get from playing in the cul-de-sac to getting into not only the NFL but one of the premier teams in the NFL? Yeah, that was a uh, a different route, I'd say. Uh, I was, although I was very tall, I was, you know, somewhere between six, four and six, five as a high school kid, I was super thin. So at that height, I, I think I was eh, maybe 190 pounds or something like that. My senior year of high school. So you now I played linebacker in the NFL at 250. So I had, I don't know, quite a ways to go. Let's just put it that way. And I actually started as a freshman in college at the University of South Dakota playing safety. You know, just a big, tall, skinny kid out in the deep secondary. It kind of looked weird, I guess. Uh, but no, I just continued to grow. I mean, I was an undrafted guy coming out of college because I went to that small school. I went to that smaller school because, you know, a lot of the teams that had me in for visits, University of Iowa, uh, you know, Iowa State, Northern Iowa, the teams that were Division One schools at the time that were my other options didn't offer me. And it were at least there were 11th hour offers sometimes actually after the signing date. So, you know, I was kind of always the, 
sort of got to go prove it kind of guy. So I went to the smaller school. I grew later um, and, you know, blossomed a little later on in things. So, and then you're still coming out of a small school. So to go into the NFL, uh, I was, am I going to be drafted kind of thing on the very final day? And you're getting phone calls in the fifth round and the sixth and the seventh, and it just finally doesn't happen. And I got calls from, I believe at the time it was the Colts, Browns, and the Rams who I eventually signed with, uh, with offers. And uh, yeah, just, uh, you kind of try to pick the place where you think the roster's thinnest at the spot you would play. I chose the Rams and, uh, got cut from there and went to new England. So, and then it just kind of happened. So, uh, at the time when I was cut uh, by the Rams, you know, I was obviously pretty upset about that. I thought I was about to make that roster. Uh, I think they wanted to keep me on practice squad, but the way it works is once you go on the waiver system, other teams can grab you. And apparently New England had seen me in some of the preseason stuff and had liked it. And I got swooped up. So I think at the time, my point of reference was Tech Mobile. I didn't know where Boston was or New England or anything <laughs> like that. I just knew top right on the Tecmo map was <laughs> was where the team was. Ben Coates, Ben Winter Coates. I mean, I, I, I had no idea where I was going. So I just found out, hey, you got picked up by the Patriots. I'm like, where the hell is that? You know, so. <laughs> So that's, you know, that's just where I ended up. So, uh, at the time it was at 2000, that's, that's Belichick's first season. And, uh, it wasn't the obvious, the now it was year one. So we were bad. We we're five and 11. So it was definitely a, a sort of building process with them where, uh, I had to grow in that organization. They had to grow as an organization. Yeah, but they grew to be a monster. I mean, just, I mean, the amount of success that that organization's had, and I think that's what, why so many of us who are not Patriots fans go, we just don't like them. I mean, I rooted for them. They're right. Super Bowl. I was all about it. I was like, yeah, they have one more. It was when the second one, and then third one, and I'm like, <laughs> fourth one. I'm like, no, you kind of being stingy there. Belichick can, can you know, let go a little, but if it were my team, I'd be all about it. Right. I, I think there's some fatigue, some national fatigue. You can absolutely feel that. Um, and, and it was a, you know, it was a weird situation last year being down there now working as a media member in Arizona. And, you know, I, it, the, the Seattle's been at the top here for a while as well. I mean, they're going back to, to their second Super Bowl in a row. So, uh, it's a lot of sort of the old dogs that are at the table. So I think if you're, again, you're living in some other market like Cincinnati or Chicago or Dallas or Houston or Arizona or something like that. You're probably like, good Lord, these guys again, you know, maybe something that we were feeling as a kid when, although they didn't win it, but the bills kept showing up year after year after yeah. year. And you're like, can, can we just see someone else? You know, I so, no, I, I absolutely understand that. Or could they just I'm sorry. win one? Or could they just win one already? Come on, Jim Kelly. Come on, Jim right. Kelly. So yeah, I know right. I grew up watching those, those guys too. So I think we're about the same age, which is, a little scary, you know, when I'm starting to think about retired NFL players, I'm like, oh no, they're all the same age as me. Wait a minute. How does that work? So, um, all right. Sc- yeah. scary story, scary story really quickly about sort of the age thing I had, I was back home for a 20 year reunion, uh, for, uh, over this sort of summer break, just a, just a week or so ago. And, uh, I used to do a summer, uh, juvenile kids court kind of thing with this program that I grew up in Sioux city. I have, for kids that are in pretty rough spots. They try to keep them busy throughout the summer. And one of the kids I had that won a bunch of awards for us way back when I was probably 18, 19 years old when I was doing this thing. Uh, he comes up to me in the gym last week and uh, he says, Hey, it's Ricardo. And I'm like, Ricardo, you know, I have no idea who's talking to me. He's 30 years old now. <laughs> he's, uh, 
he obviously did awesome with his life coming from from where he did and he's he's now the head coach uh, head soccer coach at, at my high school so head soccer coach ESL English as a second language teacher and is sort of rocking life doing great but uh, it, it was a really cool story and it was kind of touching to see who he was and how you know how he'd gotten through it all but then also then there was that moment where like oh my god he's 30 years old <laughs> <You know? laughs> and what does that mean what does that mean about me you know yeah yeah, it's like it's like kids I babysat for are suddenly functional adults. They're like, wait a minute, how? Wow, it's it just time goes by so quickly. So, and again, you spent how many years in the NFL? Nine, uh, an unhealthy capper on the end of it with the Jets, where I had some neck issues and took that sort of lonely walk out of the NFL, like I got a lot of guys do. Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, you all want to. Be, I think everybody wants to be like Peyton Manning, where we're all kind of watching for when is it going to happen, but. You know, for most guys, for most players, like nine years is a really, really good run. Um, and from what you've taken from your NFL, you turn it into this kind of media career. But now you have your own site and your own podcast. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, to try to keep it as brief as possible, I, I'd originally actually intended to uh, – have this chain of crepe stores uh we had i left uh, the nfl uh in 2008 was my last season so in 2009 i filed my papers um i filed uh or started applying to schools and wanted to go get my mba i'd been pre-law years and years ago but i didn't want to practice uh, at my age then so or nor go to school for three years so the mba was two and it would allow me to do some of the business stuff i wanted to do so we decided to go that route my wife and I, and, uh, I opened up this franchise called sky crapers. I had a, I had a, um, uh, patent, uh, had some IP for a process patent for making crepe fries. And uh, we operated with that for a little while. And, uh, I'll, I don't know how much detail I can go into here now, but, uh, we were actually involved in a fraud case and we're stat court case is still four years old now. So, uh, that I'm going to run this crepe franchise thing is actually on pause button right now until that case is resolved. We, uh, we, uh, I've sued a very large mall marketer for fraud and we're going to win the case. So I'll obviously be very positive with that, but that's still going on. So in the midst of all that, you're thinking, wow, how did I, how did I step in this? Um, and you know, I'm back in this market. I went to Babson college, which is the number one entrepreneurial program for MBAs in the country. They were really good at that kind of stuff. And, uh, they people had started to know that I was back in town and you know they're they're saying hey come and do a tv segment do a little radio all that and I would just do a little here and there and I did it for a year kind of waiting for that stuff to get resolved and all of a sudden said you know what I think I could do this full-time I guess uh so I had a column with the Boston Herald for a couple years and uh even from there sort of those entrepreneurial roots are sort of you know, getting thick and saying, let's do something else and actually make it your own. So we decided to start this company, footballbyfootball.com. And, you know, that's obviously the podcast as well, the FBF podcast. So I went out and went through sort of my network of players and all the guys I know and the guys they know and that kind of thing. And we we had over, I think 18 was the number last year, different guys that contributed to the site. But there'll be a lot of names that, that people recognize that are, that, that are contributors to FBF or Owners in the company, Brady Quinn, a quarterback from Notre Dame and the NFL quarterback. 
Chris Snee from the New York Giants, you know, former All-Pro guy, uh, offensive lineman that's now retired. Brady Papinga was a, a linebacker for the Packers and Cowboys. Tank Williams does actually our, our fantasy. He's one of the few uh, former football players that played a long time in the NFL that does fantasy, too, and he's really good at it. So Tank and, you know, up and down the line. We've had lots of guys. Rocky Boyman, former Notre Dame guys, is doing stuff with us now as well. And we're excited. So, you know, it's sort of this players, you know, football by football is, is sort of the brand would tell you it's just players doing football. So that's, we're really excited about it. And we think it's something that just really didn't exist in the market. Yeah, I, I like it. I love listening to your guys' podcast because it's just it's such an interesting perspective. Because I know as a fan and as a female fan, I have a def- way different perspective because obviously I've never played um, organized football. I just, it's not something I've ever done. So I feel like even like my husband who played high, you know, high school football, you know, has a different perspective on football than I do. But listening to you guys, I feel like, you know, I at least understand what's going on in the huddle. Like, I understand the perspective of you guys as Bounty Gate, whereas I think it's a fun story. You know, it's actually serious because it's your job. I mean, this, this, what's happening right. to Tom Brady could have happened. It, it could happen to any of these guys playing, and not all of them are going to have the platform that Tom Brady has, you know, and the protection. So imagine right. if this were some no-name player, you know, what would happen to him? So I think it's interesting. I, I personally like it. Brady Quinn's a favorite in our house because my husband is a Notre Dame fan. Ah, and, there you uh, go. Yes, um, I am not. Um, so you know, we, you know, I appreciate Brady Quinn, but not not Notre Dame. So, um, so being a female fan, I gotta tell you, you know, I feel like you know it's it's our generation of, of women that have kind of embraced the NFL and have really kind of got into it. Is there a difference you think between um, the way players handle female fans versus male fans? I'm not talking about the females that are throwing panties at you. Uh, let, let's, let's, that's a whole different issue. I'm just right. a true female fan. Is there a difference in your mind? A, a difference in how sort of players address them or interact with them? Is that yeah. what you mean? Yeah. Well, I, I put it this way. Gender aside, I, I would just simply say inexperienced in it is sort of its all own, own class. I mean, I've got plenty of friends, guy friends that are that didn't play football either, and they're not going to be at any any different handicap and sort of understanding all the intricacies of it than than, a, than my wife would. You know, if you haven't done it, you haven't done it. <laughs> you know, and I, I think that's that's sort of the universal thing. There, now there are people that have done high school football, and I, I have some you know really smart friends that have that as sort of their life experience. But after having done it for you know. 20 plus years of organized football, it really changes sort of as you move from level to level. Uh, it just gets so much more intense and there's so much more to it. There's so many more layers and so much more, you know, things that you would have to know to sort of get in the inside part. So your high school understanding of things is sort of a really, really narrow scope, but it is some experience. At least you've hit people and, you know, sort of th- those kinds of things. You understand the collisions, you understand sort of the dedication and all the stuff that goes into it. But it becomes a little more intricate when you get to the collegiate level, at least at some programs, definitely mine, uh, where, you know, there's more study and it becomes more like a job or at least an extended class. Um, but then the NFL is just next level. Uh, so even some of my brightest college friends uh, who, you know, when we played together in college, knew every little bit about the intricacies as me, maybe even more, probably more. Uh, but you get left behind a little bit, or at least you don't have that experience when we start talking NFL stuff because so much stuff changes at that level. I mean, there's just so much more to it. It becomes this like hyper-professional thing. I mean, the difference between sort of understanding doctorate level, whatever it is, relative to sort of an industry level. There's Defenses are more complex. The techniques you're asked to do are a little more complex. The requirements and the day-to-day training and all that stuff are just so much more 
you know, so much different than what I just did in high school, going and do some bench and squat or something, you know? So it's just, it's just like that. I think in all walks of life, when you get to sort of the highest level of stuff it, you know, the, the experiences you had at the lowest level don't always translate. I think that's great. I, and that actually makes me feel better because sometimes, you know, I get intimidated still. Like I started this podcast, so I have a place to talk about sports where I don't right. have a guy interrupting me, you know, because, it, I, you know, I have a great um, local guy. He's actually from Rhode Island, big Patriots fan. Um, he's um, the host of our drive time show. And I've tweeted him and I'm, I'm friends with him in real life, but I've never called him to the show because I don't want to be embarrassed even though I probably know more than a lot of his callers calling. And it's intimidation factor because I didn't grow up really talking about sports. So that makes me feel better. Thank you, Max. So it's no nothing problem. Else, it's nothing else with all this. So, um, all right, let's, let's forget about um, Deflate Gate because I know you really want to. Um, what are you looking forward to this season? Huh. Well, uh, some of the things that I've sort of been batting around in columns uh, over the last year or two, that I, I really don't buy is the notion of uh, air quotes passing league. Um, I, I know that it, there's the appearance that it's happening more, uh, but scoring actually, I did write about this a few months ago, something along this line that scoring is actually not changed that much since all the, uh, the illegal contact stuff came into to play. I think when they really started reemphasizing that and sort of making a bright line in, in, in sort of the way they call it, I believe it was about 10 years ago, somewhere around 2004 or five off season scoring since that time is up one point. Uh, his, it's just, I, I think there's this perception reality thing that goes on that we have this wild, wild West where people are just running and flying. And, and to be honest, it is very unfair to defensive backs. I mean, I think back to sort of the, the, the standard of why we have football. I mean, where it initially came from and it was supposed to be a gauntlet sport. There's supposed to be an impediment from you to get from here to there. Uh, This idea of not touching one another on one side of the line of scrimmage, just in case someone's going to throw it. I mean, that's, that's so anti-football. I don't, I don't, it's, it's disappointing that that was even allowed to be introduced, but even so doing that, they were still only able to generate one more point per game per side for, per team. It's just a lot of uh, sort of unnecessary chipping away at the integrity of the game, in my opinion. So uh, I still think the running game is incredibly important. I don't think, you know, unless they were somehow to change the dimensions of the field, which obviously hasn't happened or somehow put less people on the field, maybe make it 10 to thin it out and, you know, then maybe somehow run up scores more. The running game is not much less, less important than it was years ago, which it's the same thing. It's Football, it's a passing league, it's a football league, and I like it when you know there's sort of this reemphasis of the running game. Adrian Peterson's going to be a huge story, obviously separating his the things that he that he did off the field, but just simply the the, the player how critically important he is to a team like that where they're they're so run and play action dependent it's just still a great way to play football you know the threat of someone running it versus the threat of of all, of all the space that's in created by the passing lanes because you're committing more people down so i love that and that's real and and we're now seeing running backs starting to get paid slightly i think they were there was that notion that they were somehow commodities and you could always find a good one but the reality of it is when you get a really good back relative to just an okay back the space between them is no different than just a okay wide receiver and a really great wide receiver. The really, really good ones, the Arian Fosters, the Adrian Petersons, uh, you know, the Marshawn Lynch's they're exponentially better than the guys behind them. And that's why they get paid more. Um, and it's, it's okay to acknowledge that. So I think we're getting back to the point where people realize, okay, we've been spreading people out forever. 
that created running lanes now. Uh, let's go back to the other part. And there's there's a lower risk element to that as well. You put the ball in someone's gut, there's not going to be an interception or an incompletion. So uh, running games is part of everything. So that's, that's what I'm looking for the next season, the continuance of football, not not passing leagues. Not passing. Okay. Um, oh, something just popped up. I'm sorry, Galpal Nation. We're having like technical difficulties, and I just got to pop up and blog talk. But anyway, I'll hey, hey. this part out. But <laughs> It's been a Tuesday, let me say. Poor Matt has literally rushed in from his day job of talking about Tom Brady, and then this strange girl in Virginia is like, hi, can we talk about Tom Brady some more? Yay! He's like, <laughs> God, no! Like, like, is he really that beautiful in real life? I mean, you know, I've never seen him in real life, but is he really that pretty in real life? I, I just want to know. It's funny that, that that even gets brought up because obviously I knew Tom in 2000 and that's when I first got to know him. And yeah, I mean, he's, he's a good looking dude, I guess, if, if I want to sort of go down that road of commentary. But I mean, he's not like he was just slaying left and right. I mean, he was dating and single when we in 2000 when he was a lot less known. And uh, there's probably, you know, some girls that didn't go his route then at the time they may regret it now i don't know i guess you'd have to find all those people and ask him back up but no he's a good looking dude awesome family i mean he comes from such great roots and uh his his sisters and his parents are awesome people that we still see they're still here and dedicated and just good people and i think that that makes it easier for for me sort of seeing that other side of his life to continue to cheer for him and you know being a friend of the teammate is one thing but he stands for all the right things which is one of the other things that makes it so so irritating and so aggravating uh to know that he's for this but yeah yes he's a good looking dude that was a long answer no that's all right that's okay because i mean again i find him ever so dreamy um you know i still don't like him <laughs> um but that's only because he's not playing for my team and again i'm uncertain if he's playing quarterback for my team but that's a whole nother topic. So um, if the Galpa Nation wants to listen to you, um, obviously they can listen to you on Blog Talk Radio. I need to mention Blog Talk Radio at least like four or five times or Podvader's going to be really mad at me. Um, there you go. He's the one that connected us. Um, how did you get in touch with the Podvader? Because I have an interesting story about that. Well, Jay is a Boston area guy. So I want to, I know that he had heard me on Nesson, which is my, my day job out here. Uh, I'm also on the Big Ten Network. I do local games. Uh, well, I do the Patriots preseason broadcast um, as a sideline reporter. I do ESPN for college football to UMass and Boston College games. So I'm on. I'm a lot of jobs out here. Wear a lot of hats. So not sure exactly where Jay intersected with me initially or became aware that I was doing this kind of stuff. But, you know, I think he was aware of me as a player as well. So he, he reached out. I want to say it was through Twitter, uh, one of those things. And he said, hey, you know, I actually know some of the people that he knows at, at ESPN. Um, and, you know, he started up all those, a lot of the great blogs that, that started there, a lot of those original properties. And Jay made the move over to to BTR and convinced me to, hey, you have this awesome website. Why are you not doing podcasts because uh, I had done radio for a while. I did a pregame show called the called NFL Sunday for WEI uh, with the Patriots here for, for a couple years. And he's like, you're great in the radio. You just do a podcast. And I was like, eh, okay, I guess, <laughs> you know, let's add that into the schedule, but it's been great. And, and most of the guys, that work with us from uh, from Brady Papenga, who does Fox Sports out in LA, and Brady Quinn does does Fox as a as a color commentator himself. 
uh, you know, and, and Brocky Boyman does radio in Cincinnati. Uh, all, all these guys do sort of similar stuff to what I do in their, their local media markets. So uh, it's great. They're on the air doing other stuff. We convene and we do our players only stuff and then they write columns. So it just all kind of works out. So, you know, I'm really fortunate now and grateful that, that, that Jay reached out when he did this, the website uh, and the podcast are, are really blown up. Yeah, no, again, I, I love it. I'm glad to know that you guys are going to be doing it twice a week because I need to get my um, football bus football fixed. And again, you can listen to them on iTunes, on Stitcher, they're on all the normal places, but the easiest place to find them, honestly, and my podcast is Blog Talk Radio. So, okay, later, I have done my job. Um, <laughs> he found me on a street corner in Las Vegas. It's, it's true. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a street corner, but it, anyway, it's a whole thing. So, um, <laughs> okay, check out footballbossfootball.com. Um, the link will be in my show notes, um, and as well as the link to their um, podcast. And again, it's a rotating crew. It's always typically you, and then it's usually one of the Bradys and maybe somebody else. So, um, true. You know, but it's interesting to listen to and hear guys because I feel like this is how you guys would talk if the radios weren't on about the sport you love right. and the sport you made your money on. Yeah, I mean that's that's really the idea. Uh, you know, we would see something on TV, or you'd see some sort of sports center replay, or you'd be driving down the road as a player, and you'd hear commentary. And well, quite frankly, we work in these these mediums as well, and sometimes you don't say there what you would say when we're just talking amongst each other. So uh, that's that's the beauty of it, and that's why we did it. So it's a little more realism, but I think one of the biggest parts of it is is real doesn't mean sort of throwing people under the bus and doing sort of the locker room gossip stuff. Uh, a, big, a big component here is just understanding the limitations of what we know. Uh, the, after you play that much football and you get that into it, as soon as you walk out the door, you understand – I don't know. You're able to appreciate all that you're not seeing now. Like, cause you know how much goes into it. And now I can't look in. So you're not going to go attack a guy for screwing up a responsibility when you don't know what that responsibility was. So, and we really kind of keep that ethic behind things and, and keep it player friendly. All right. You heard it here first. Again, Matt, thank you for coming on after such a long day for you. I really appreciate it. No problem. Thank you so much for having me on. Take care. I want to again thank Matt Chatham for coming on to the Sports Gal Pal. And again, this is a not a normal episode because this just happened with Deflategate and Tom Brady and Roger Goodell. And what's going to happen next? I don't know, but I'm certainly tuning in. So definitely make sure to keep up with all things sports. You can follow me at um, Sports Gal Pal on Twitter. You can also like the Sports Gal Pal Facebook page and SportsGalPal.com where we have different commentary and things like that. And make sure you check out FootballByFootball.com. Great insight into the the NFL from a player's perspective. You're not going to get better insight. And the best thing is, is that they are not a talking head attached to a network. They are independent, so they can be really honest and genuine, and you're not going to find that anywhere else. So again, I can't wait to see you guys after podcast movement. I've got so many cool things in the works. Football is just getting started, gals and pals. So buckle up. It's going to be an awesome season. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Sports Gal Pal podcast. And be sure to check out sportsgalpal.com.